really sing. <laughs> la, 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 la. Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. It is a Thursday right now. We are very excited to be here on the podcast because we have our week two NFL picks coming out tomorrow on Friday. But for now, we have some other fun topics to talk about. And as always, this podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, app, Google Play, SoundCloud, also on sportsblognewyork.com. Go on to the sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab. Any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. And if you do like what you've been hearing, and if you checked out our interview with Khalil McDonald from Viceland's The Last Shot, give us a shout-out. Hit us up on Twitter, which is at sportblognyc, or my personal Twitter, which is at pkennedy, with two Y's on the end. And more importantly, if you like this fine program, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It takes like 30 seconds. You can let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of. Drop some stars. Drop a review. We love nothing more than to hear some feedback from you guys because we love doing this pod. And what makes it all worth it is when people listen and people tell us how they feel. Whether it be with us or against us, we want to hear from you. So keep that in mind. But without further ado, my guest, Phil DeMeo, co-founder of SportsBlogNewYork.com, is in the house. What's up, Phil? Yeah, how you doing? I'm doing quite all right, man. I know I'm really excited. Our Week 2 Pick podcast is coming out tomorrow. Do you feel pretty good about your picks this week? Yeah, I do. Uh, I picked the Titans. I picked the Patriots. I really love the Patriots this week. I picked the Bucks for, like, for that, let's see, because I really don't know what I'm getting out of them, but I kind of want to see what I want to do. I really like the Titans and Patriots this week. The rest of the week, man, those are tough games to pick from lines and even no lines. This should be a fun week in NFL. Absolutely. And don't give it too much away because we want people to come back tomorrow and listen to that Week 2 Picks episode. But the games that you picked are very interesting ones. They're good ones. And I don't know how I feel about all of them, but you're just going to have to wait till tomorrow to find out about our Week 2 Picks. We'll have Mike Palmasano joining us uh, for that podcast as well. But we're going to talk today about... This whole ESPN NBA ranking thing, which comes out every year and causes drama every year. But it's drama that, even if you say you hate it, deep down, it really fires you up. So we're going to talk about Mello and this ESPN rank, which isn't even completely out yet. We don't have the whole list, but already drama ensues. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some baseball. And we're going to touch on this whole uh, Jamil Hill, Linda Cohn, ESPN Barstool, Clay Travis thing that's going on. I don't know what to call it. Um, You can hear our thoughts on it. We're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast. We're going to try to keep it real, be rational in the whole nine, and hopefully the the rest will follow. So we'll talk about that. But first, Phil, before we get into basketball and ESPN rank, what is one week one NFL topic that was an overreaction that you picked out right away? That you either found funny, you found interesting, but just a classic NFL Week One overreaction. I was dumbfounded how the Jaguars were getting all this love. I mean, I didn't know the Texans would be that bad on offense. I didn't know they would pull their quarterback in a quarter. I didn't know the offensive line would give up ten sacks in a day. But let's just cool down Jaguars. Five days ago, six days ago, everyone hated them. They would make fun of the Jaguars, bottom tier team, a new quarterback. Now, they play a weak Texas offense. Now, they're going to be, you know, I'm going to I'm not buying it. That, I, was funny. That, I, found, I found that funny. Number two, the Steelers did not look good at all. And, like, 11 uh, penalties. Um, they won on a block punt for the Browns. The only offense is Tony Brown. I'm not – the Steelers, I'm worried about them. 
So Steelers and Jaguars, you know, I just think they too confusing, very confusing uh, for Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. How about you, Pete? I have a, I have a an overreaction that is half joke, half real. So I was listening to Dan Levitard show. Uh, and he does his Stu Goss does his classic weekend observations, which are meant to be pretty funny. But he makes like some real witty remarks. And if you haven't heard it, just Google it. Listen to a YouTube clip of it. Uh, Stu Goss just basically goes through the weekend, and football season's obviously the best for the weekend observations. Uh, and he says he said that the Patriots are done, the Patriots are finished, Tom Brady's uh-huh. over, and he said it obviously with a joking tone, but also with that little bit of I kind of believe that. And if I'm right, I'm going to come back on this and tell you all that I was being serious, which is really funny. Because on one hand, I could look at that and say, the Patriots are fine. There's nothing to worry about. Tom Brady's still here. Bill Belichick. But then you really look at that game against the Chiefs. The defense didn't look very good. Donta Hightower's hurt. Julian Edelman's out. Now Amendola's out. They have four running backs. They all seem okay. I know that's kind of what they do. Is there actually a real reason to be nervous about the Patriots? No. I mean, there's, no, there's not. There's no reason there to be is, nervous. There is, there isn't. Yes. The Patriots, they adversity, they usually dwell in adversity. But, yeah, there's no legitimate concerns. When you have, you're going down to your, now your third, fourth receiver, and your defense did not look good in the opener against a Chiefs offense who have good players, but I never really – we never see Alex Smith push the ball like that on like the whole game like that. So there is a little concern, but obviously you cannot even come close to doing fighting both the Patriots week one. I remember like two years ago when they beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, they got smacked um, by was it the Bengals or the Bengals the next week, and they came back roaring. So we've seen this before. Do not worry about the Patriots, but yes, there are things to worry about in the long run. I'm not saying for this week, but there are things. To keep an eye out. Well, it's Gronk. Is Gronk the same player he used to be? Has Brady lost his deep ball? Has how who will step up in the offense? If you can defense they can the secondary um is Gilmore good? The linebackers are weak. There are concerns with the team. But as a whole, they are still doing the Patriots. Watch them just destroy the Saints this week and move on and like it's on nobody's business. Right, and that's exactly the that's exactly the point. I mean, they might have some problems, but you look at the AFC East, not too worried. And until they're actually, you know, a couple games under 500 halfway through the season or, you know, at 500 after 12 games, they're 6-6 six and six or something like that, then, you know, there's real, real concern and they're not who we thought they were this year. But let's get two weeks, three weeks in uh, before we start freaking out. And I'm going to give the same thing on the Giants and the Seahawks and also... No, that's it. Just the Giants and the Seahawks and the Pats. I think you just got to slow the roll a little bit. A little bit with the Chiefs as well. Let's wait for two weeks. Um, we just don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot that's going to go down still. A lot that's going to go down. So it's really interesting. Can't wait for week two. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow to our week two picks. That's going to be on Friday. Um, of course, you can be listening to this one on Friday as well. So if you're listening to this first, don't forget to hop over and check out our week two NFL picks. But okay, Phil. It's time to talk about what kind of took over Twitter. And I think that's also an interesting conversation. In the middle of the NFL season, in the middle of playoff runs in the MLB, a measly ranking by ESPN, a ranking that in the grand scheme of things means absolutely nothing, caused Twitter to go into a stir. 
and for Carmelo to come back spitting fire on Instagram and Twitter. So if you don't know, ESPN started off their annual NBA rank, hashtag NBA rank, look it up on ESPN.com on Twitter, and they haven't even released the entire list yet. But the newsworthy note of the day, if you haven't figured it out already, is that Carmelo Anthony was ranked 64th in the NBA by ESPN. And the most interesting part is the juxtaposition for where Carmelo Anthony landed between number 63 and number 65. So sitting at 65, right next to Carmelo Anthony, once Buffalo, is Marcus Smart. You know what? That Let's leave that one as it is. It's not the craziest thing in the world. Let's just leave it. What drove people insane was that Lonzo Ball, a rookie who's never played a game in the NBA, was ranked 63rd. Mello at 64. He's Mello is one of four players in NBA history to average 20 points a game every season of their career with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and I believe the last one is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he has Phil, an accident that lines up both in front of him? Come on. Phil, did, this, did this drive you crazy, doing. Phil? Did this drive you crazy? It did, it did drive me crazy, but I know when I did it. I want to get on. I don't know if ESPN is clicked right now. Maybe you guys will talk about that in a couple of minutes, how ESPN is doing. But lines of ball, I mean, I guess if you want to take, start a team, you're picking lines of ball over Carmelo right now. But for this season, you don't know. You do not know what you get on lines of ball. Like I said, they know what they're doing. They put him right before Carmelo just to get the pot stirring. And this is the backbone in the NBA. This is the barber talk, the barbershop talk, the the just a bullshit around your friends. Who's better? Who am I taking? This is why the NBA is, I think, the overall best league in, in our country because we had these conversations on a 12-month basis. Who's better? Who's this? Now, you, like you said, you played just the middle of the NFL season as the beginning. Um, you have MLB going playoff races. And now it's just ESPN just dropped this little list. I uh, use a meaningless list, and now it takes precedent over any, everything else. For that, me- is what, that really shows the power of the NBA, the NBA has. And you know what? The NBA hater in the room, a.k.a. the NBA hater who might be listening to this podcast at the moment, if you want to say to me that, oh, well, the offseason is better than the regular season, and the offseason is better than the playoffs, and this and that, fine, go ahead and say that. But if you are an MLB fan, or if you are an NFL fan, and you don't consider yourself a fan of the NBA, think about this. Don't you wish that all of your favorite shows talked about your favorite sport all year long? Because yep. if you go to any national show on any given day almost, there's a chance they can be talking about basketball. If you go to your local stations in New York, if you go to the fan, not as much the fan, but if you go to ESPN Radio and possibly the fan, at any moment, at any time of year, they can be talking about the Knicks, they can be talking about LeBron, and now with guys like Lonzo and Kevin Durant doing whatever the hell he does, basketball is truly the most 24-7 365 sport in America, and I don't think it's that close. Yeah, they kind of hijacked it from the NFL because the NFL had, they based their calendar of being a 12 month sport. You have, um, we'll start with January, playoffs, February, Super Bowl. Right after the Super Bowl, you have the combine and all the, you know, the, the, the lead up to the draft. But then you have a month straight after this draft talk who's true trading with a pick, who's a pick who. Then you got the draft, they go to OT, in OTAs. I forgot free agency in between that point, and they go to the camp. The NFL had the structure of a calendar of events, but not NBA. It's just the BS and the talk and 
who's going where. The players really control the narrative, right? Because players are social media. They say, I want to go here. You got Kyrie in the middle of um, summer saying, I want to be traded. That, but the NFL, the league, kind of wants to control their narrative and where the, where, the, where the talk of their league is going. And the NBA is the opposite. The players are saying, 24-7, they're working out in gyms. Every video you see is them in the gym. Uh, LeBron has his selfies. Like, they are controlling where, how you consume their sport, which is fun for a fan because it was never about the NBA. It's about your favorite players, about your favorite team, the sneakers, the storylines, the legacies. That is why I think the NBA is the best sport out there. You actually raised this question to me before, Phil. So, like, correct me if I'm wrong in the phrasing here, but you said to me once, tell me why the NFL is the best league. Give me three reasons. You can't use fantasy and you can't use gambling. Yep. I was stumped. I, I'm not sure I came up with more than one reason. The only okay. reason I came up with is people like the physicality and they like the sport. So that's one reason, right? But yep. I couldn't think of another reason to say it was clearly better than the NBA. Because you, you know what? People want to come back to the NBA and say there's no parity and the Warriors are still the best team in the league. Who cares this? Who cares that Paul George runs it under that? And it's tiresome to me because – we all know, if history repeats itself, which it does all the time, that teams like the Warriors, maybe not as good or maybe some better, doesn't matter, they come and they go. They don't yep. last forever. And if you think that in eight years we're going to be talking about Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green just won six, seven titles in a row, you're out of your mind. Because you can look back at franchises and teams for over the past 20 years, over my lifetime, and say, oh, that team's going to win Five championships in a row. Shaq and Kobe, they're never going to lose. You know, you looked at that Pistons team, five great all-star starters. They're going to be in the championship every year. They made it two years. The Celtics with Paul Pierce, KG, and Ray Allen, oh, they're going to do it every year. Two years. The Heat, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Four. That was it. And you know what? The time moves pretty quick because, Phil, let me ask you a question now. What do you consider a long time in a career, right? So think about a sport. Think about MLB, NBA, NFL, all combined, right? What is like a short time, or I mean, what is a long time in the history of the sport? Like, what's it feels like a season takes forever, maybe, but after yeah. three seasons, yeah, that's pretty quick. That's a short period of time in a sport. It depends, it depends on the sport. Baseball, the windows close very fast. You see, the Cubs are, are as good as they were last year. Last year, the Cubs win four World Series in a row. Now they're like. You can't really see them like the third best team in right now. Like, it's very hard to judge. Uh, basketball is probably the longest window because these guys are in their prime. And once they're in their prime, it's really hard to stop. In the NFL, the window is literally one year. You see Super Bowl hangers all the time. So as you said, NBA probably gets a little more grace period. But these windows are forever. There's no father time. Is not, father time is undefeated. It'll be players getting sick of each other, players getting old. Uh, then the team coming up, developing nicely. The Warriors. Due to the Heat and Cavs and LeBron, the window time winning isn't forever. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more, man. I really couldn't. And uh, we will get back to actually talking about Melo and this rate this ranking for a minute. We got kind of off topic, but it was something we wanted to talk about. I mean, that's something that you really have to ask yourself about the way you consume the sport. Do you really like parody, or do you just think that you like parody and you think? You want every team to have a chance. Or do you only want parity if it means your team might have a better chance? Because I look at these teams league-wide, and the NFL has parity, 
But you also look at the divisions, I mean the conferences right now, there is almost exactly eight good teams, eight bad teams in each conference right now. So what really is the difference between between that? And in the MLB, it is so random where the best team doesn't often win, or they win only sometimes. So in the NBA, you get the best team has the best chance to win, which is something that is true and organic in sport, also with variation that people don't give credit to. So I think all this variation with parity is going to start changing rapidly. And what I say all the time about the NBA that I try to remind people is storylines don't go for one year. In the NFL, Cam Newton and the Panthers going to the Super Bowl was a one-year storyline, and it was over. In the NBA, the Minnesota Timberwolves started a storyline two, two uh, three years ago when they traded for Andrew Wiggins, but they were still bad. Now they have Towns. Now they played with Towns and Wiggins for two years. They just made a move, and now this storyline is continuing and really taking off, and the Timberwolves aren't going to win a championship this year. No way. But do they have a chance to make a run in the playoffs? Yes. Do they have a chance in one year or two years when Carl Anthony Towns is an absolute stud, not just a stud? Then they can be there. And that storyline was a six-year span, and it was great to follow if you were on it for the whole ride. How about the Warriors? The Warriors came from, you know, Steph, an injury-prone player, can he last whole season to being MVP and unarmed MVP? Like, you're right. These storylines are developing before they, they blossom. And you should be to to track these storylines to be a true fan and appreciate what's happening. Look at the, look at our Knicks. Where this, now this is year three for Zingis. Probably last year Carmelo is going to be opt out of trade. I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, the next era of the Knicks is kind of overlapping with this old era. So we're going to move for two years from now. We'll be talking about how, how where the Knicks are, where they started. So you're right. It's really awesome in the NBA to track these half-decade storylines. And these moves that you make now do affect couple years down the road and you can look back and trace them that's really interesting i'm glad you brought that up because people really do forget phil they really forget that the warriors were one of the most likable teams in the league steph curry was not a slam dunk when he got that extension contract it turned out to be one of the best contracts in nba history but at the time they considered it a gamble that team was built over time with defense and ball movement and they happened to get kevin durant at the end so i get why people get frustrated with that but i just think it's a really you know small look at what the NBA truly is. But let's move on. Let's move back to the actual ranking here. So you mentioned clickbait before with Mello and the ESPN thing, and they're just trying to get a stir. And if they were trying to just get a stir, gosh damn it, it worked, man. It really, really worked. But I want to read you a tweet that I saw from a guy who actually, he just followed me like very recently. So I gave him a follow back. He's an Irish guy. So... He covers the NBA on his own with blogs, podcasts, whatever. I have no idea who the man is. But I saw this tweet that he that he put, and he said this. It should be noted that the last two vets, uh, guys who were really good but past their prime, who caused a ruckus over ESPN rate rankings are Kobe and D. Rose, Derek Rose. And those rankings were most likely vindicated. They were proven true. And Melo yeah. had a problem with the rankings last year. And we're kind of proven true. Now this one, don't get me wrong, 64 is egregious. I don't believe that's where he belongs. But I believe it might be closer to truth than we want to say. Yeah, well, Kobe Bryant was really old. Derek Rose was really injured. 
Carmelo neither of those things. He's on he's on he's on the back nine, but he's at you know, thirty like Kobe, thirty seven like Kobe. He's not hurt like Dark Rose. So yeah, I get the comparison, but is that really true? So I mean those are the last two superstars that were ranked lowly. So I do definitely get the comparison, but uh, Carmelo he has a chip on his shoulder. It seems like a hoodie mellow. He kind of kind of probably pitched the Knicks and wanted to trade him. I'm not giving up on Carmelo. I think it's gonna be fun to watch this year. If the Knicks are everything, he, he should be a really fun to watch scoring. So I mean, I like the I like the rankings. They, they give you interest in the season. I you mentioned to be say two more weeks in media day. So now we're gonna be starting in more NBA talk. Like I said before, just to get back to what I talked about before. How to play the narrative? The narrative. LeBron James and LeBron James posted a video of him working out D Wade. Guess how many views it got on Instagram? Um, a workout, a half court workout. Can I guess? You guess. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say eleven million. Three million. Ah, so, wow, I really overshot lot. that one. <laughs> just say for a workout. Imagine like you know, uh, Peyton Manning worked out West Walker back in the day. That would not get three million views on Instagram. It's just, it's crazy. The only guy in the other sport who reminds me of basketball players is Odell Beckham Jr. And I've said that before. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You got some quarterbacks who are that hyped, but Odell is the, one of those guys who's that hyped as well. Um, how about Chris Brickley? I mean, how about that guy who's been training everybody in the league? I mean, these games that that really created Hoodie Mello, the one that we love so much, are Chris Brickley. He's a trainer. He used to work for the Knicks. He's worked his way through the ranks, and he trains everybody. C.J. McCollum, he's had Durant, Westbrook, Harden, Paul, LeBron, I mean, Enos Cantor's there all the time. I said McCollum. The list goes on and on and on of people who have been working out at Mello's Gym this summer in uh, in New York. And Chris Brickley has become famous from it just by posting Instagram videos of them not missing any shots. <laughs> it's yeah. it's really nuts how much the NBA season What did you think of uh, Chris Paul, James Harden, and Carmelo playing with each other? Uh, I'm not looking too much into it because literally every big-name player has been playing there this summer. So. Yeah, it's fun to watch. All right, so real quick before we move on to some baseball some baseball banter, I'm going to throw some names at you. These are all people who are near mellow on the list. Uh, I want you to tell me if you think they're if they're better or worse than mellow. Ready? Ready. And this is this is for this year. This is the 2017-18 season. So Eric Gordon. Now, are we saying individual skill or the whole like the whole situation they're in? Just. Uh, you know, chance to positively like affect basketball. There's just a chance to play good basketball this year. Okay, I'll go Carmelo. How about Avery Bradley? Carmelo. Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Danny Green. <laughs> Carmelo. How egregious is it that Danny Green's above Devin Booker and Mello? Yeah. And then, you know what? Harrison Barnes is ahead of Mello right now. Okay, that's easy. <laughs> come on, Anthony, come on. Like Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Covington, oh, Andre Drummond. It's it's really guess, tough to look Drummond, at the list. Drummond, Drummond, Drummond's ridiculous. But I guess like guys like Brogdon, even um, Avery Bradley, they're on the upswing. They got bigger roles this season. Like, I get why. I, I can justify why they're ranked like this, but I don't, it's, it's weird. It's a weird ranking. It's very weird. It really, really is. Uh, I look forward to the rest of the list coming out so I can look at it and really take a good look on where I think Mello actually belongs. I believe Sports Illustrated had him somewhere in the late 30s. And I think, if I had to guess, like usual, it's probably somewhere in between. I think close to 50 
mid to high 40s is actually realistic. 64 is a stir of the pot. And I don't even know if rookie should be involved in this ranking. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You could assume Walker Fultz is going to be good. Lonzo Ball is going to be good. Um, Dennis mm-hmm. Smith, I saw Dennis Smith on the list. But yeah, um, like we said it's starting start the pot. It's working. We're talking about it. That's true. So let's stop talking about it. Let's move on. Let's talk about some baseball. So we had something that, that was pretty cool this week in New York. Uh, it was due to very unfortunate circumstances uh, down in Tampa with obviously Hurricane Irma forcing the Buc- uh, the Bucks, the Rays, and the Yankees to play at City Field. But it turned out to be a really cool experience for Yankee fans because they got to go to City Field for a Yankee game, which was technically a Rays home game for very cheap, sit very close. The only unfortunate part is the Yankees did not come out on top of that series. Phil, where's your level of worry with the Yankees team coming into mid-September? Um, I love our pitching. Pitching is very good. Sonny Gray, I made that trade 10 times out of 10. The guy is an ace-type player. He knows how to hit the spots. He's coming. Gerard doesn't been a little late at the end of the day, but I'm loving what I'm seeing out of the pitching. Our hitting is like very cold. It's, it's weird. Um, Judge is kind of coming along, but he's not. They don't click together. I mean, I'm not worried. I think we should... We, it's, if it's the Twins, we should be, win a Walker game. After that, we're playing with house money. And I don't know what you're saying. The, the Rays, we won our last four series games. They won the what? We've won our last four series. That's true. That's pretty good. And you know what? I, I feel you, though. The pitching has been very solid. And the fact that Sonny Gray has only gotten, what is it, four runs of support in his starts? Five runs and four yeah. starts, is it? It's disgusting, yeah. That, that That's Mets status. That is literally what happens to the Mets. You know what I mean? Like that? It's nuts. It can't be like Garcia. Like, this guy deserves run support. He's He leads the, the, um, the AL and ERA. It's like 2.09 since the All-Star break. Wow. Yeah, he's been he's been pitching really well. And the fact that he couldn't get a win in his last start a couple days back now it is really sad. And it's tough for him. And it's tough for the team because... I, I feel that there's this thing in baseball where I'm like I'm not superstitious at all. I'm not a superstitious guy, but things get in people's heads. And when a team and a lineup knows that Sonny Gray is getting no help this year, you kind of put a little more pressure on yourself. And you know he's yeah. only gotten five runs and four starts. You're like, we got we got to get runs for Sonny. We got to help this guy out. And then before you know it, everyone's a little gripping too tight on the bat, striking out a little more than usual because they already strike out enough. And then they scored one or two runs again for his next start, and it's going to be over and over again. But the one thing I will say, though, I am a believer in ebbs and flows in baseball. So not superstition, but ebbs and flows. The offense was fantastic all year and has been really bad for a while. And if all things go well, you slowly and surely start upticking to the end of September. As long as you can lock up that spot for the playoffs, the offense is bound to get back to... The not the form from the beginning of the year, but closer to that form than we've seen over the past month or so. Yeah, and um, Zip with something gray, it sucks that he got the loss on Tuesday. It's not that he didn't get the win, he left the he went to the eighth inning, a, a decently moderate pitch count. Roddy rolled the dice with him, and um, a fellow took him yard. Somebody took him out in the eighth inning. It sucked that he got the loss at nine and ten now. But yeah, the Yankees are very up and down with the offense. Um, we're going to run through. We have one, two, three, four, five more series left. 
We should get the home playoff game. Uh, I guess he's Severino in it probably. Even I don't know. Sonny Gray can make a push for that spot. It's gonna be not, a, not an easy decision for Girardi. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about the Yankees. I mean, we should see playoff baseball. Like I said, we get to the ALDS. I'm happy. I get three formal games from probably look at the Indians, right? Indians have finished should be the best record in the AL. That should be uh, not an easy test by Indians. Yeah, the Indians are good, man. We'll get to them in a minute just to talk about them because they deserve they deserve a shout, a shout out, man. They're they're really doing stuff that's never been done. So we'll talk about them. But I'm glad you just mentioned Joe Girardi. I need your help, Phil. I really do. And if you're out there listening to this podcast right now, please, if you can help me out here, or if you want to tell me I'm an idiot, I'll take either one. But hit us up on Sport on Sportblog NYC on Twitter. That's at Sportblog NYC or my Twitter, which is at P Kennedy Two Wise. Or at Phil DeMeo. Um, Yankee fans who I don't live and die by Yankee games. I'm not a Yankee fan. I don't root against them, whatever. I watch them, I appreciate them. Yankee fans who live and die by the Yankees. So, Phil, I'm looking for your help. What is it like to have a head coach who you just want fired all the time? Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> comprehend it. The Yankees seem like an organization and a team that has stuff together. They're just struggling right now. They're not hitting the right way. But Yankee fans want Girardi's head. Phil, where does it come from? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like when you have the really nice car, really nice house, and you complain to your parents, you want a bigger one. Like, we have a nice car. We have a nice house. So Girardi, like we said, if he gets fired tomorrow, gets a job in three hours. Uh, he does make mistakes. He's not perfect. But, hey, the guy has never had a losing season here. They should have got a losing season like last year or two years ago. They should they should have went under five hundred. He does make like decisions that scratch your head, but overwhelmingly he makes the right decision. He really does make most of the time. Make, joke about binding Joe, but most of the time when Girardi makes a, a pitching change, a lineup change, it works out. And we are about to go to the playoffs in the year that everyone wrote us off. Uh, they're playing with house money. Uh, be nice to the young kids play well. Hey, we're going to be in a playoff game. Maybe we'll be in the ALDS. Hey, if we play really well, we'll be in ALCS. And that is, Girardi needs to have credit for that. He's a, he could be a manager of the year in the AL. I mean, I'm sure um, Frank Cohen is going to run away with that now. Hey, no one expects the Yankees to be in the playoffs at all. And here we are on September 13th, wherever today is, and we're, we're talking playoffs with the Yankees. That should be credited for. I mean, I, I hear you. And that's, what, that's why I ask you the question. I mean... I listen to the Michael K show almost every single day. It's on my commute home. I enjoy the show, whatever. But obviously Michael K is a Yankees guy. And if you listen to the show, you are thinking of the drop that I'm thinking of where they always say, oh, he's a Yankees boy. And these callers call into the, the Michael K show and say Girardi needs to be fired. And Michael K asked today, well, fine, fine. Who are you going to replace him with? Who's going to do a better job than Girardi and why? So somebody said Tony Pena, right? So in my head, I'm like, oh, I don't even know where Tony Pena's at right now. Like, is he a guy on the Yankees staff already? It doesn't matter to me. So then the guy, the guy, Michael K goes, all right, why? Why is he a better option? And the guy said, he reacted by saying, oh, Michael, you're just being a Yankees homer. Like, that's why you don't want Pena. So he flipped out and hung up. But I feel the man's pain. You Yankee fans act like, not you, Phil, you Yankee fans out there who want Girardi fired, Act like the grass is going to be definitely greener on the other side. Who do you want to replace this man? Who do you think is going to make sure this team plays hard? 
Like, why do you why do you think it's a guarantee that whoever's out there on the market, somebody who doesn't have a coaching job, is going to be better than Girardi, who has proven to be able to take this team to the playoffs? I don't get it. And I take a look around the league and take a look at Queens. You're a Mets fan. How, what would you give up George Girardi to get for, for Terry Collins? Like, what you get you get the other side of it. You get where a manager isn't that like clear or coherent. You make your head scratch a lot. You're more than just like a bullpen change in the seventh inning. Terry Collins, like, why are you that guy bad at four? Why is that guy bad at fifth? Just talk about like the other side of it when you don't have a good manager at all and you're, you're playing for a good manager. That that's exactly right. I appreciate that you are being rational here, Phil, and I, I don't mean to lump you in to those Yankee fans. I don't mean to do it. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with it. If the Yankees collapse right now and don't don't make the playoffs, you, you get you get more ammo for your Judge Roddy hate, which it's pretty pretty acceptable because the Yankees should make the playoffs this year. But for the Yankees to make them and be a 500 and wait, the pitching has been been playing. There's no there's no backing to it at all. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of sick of talking about it. Talking about it. <laughs> oh, good. Well, we'll move on. That's all we have to do. I said we were going to talk about the Indians, but realistically, you know what? Like, what more is there to say than that this streak is spectacular and impressive, and they have great players on their team who are fun, like Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez, who I was actually at the Yankee game where he hit two just absolute missiles out of the stadium. Uh, the Indians are awesome. They have fantastic pitching. What more is there to say, though? Yeah, I mean, we saw the Dodgers a month ago, going, and not 21 in a row, but like a, a massive streak like this. Which, which I mean, as a Yankees fan, I mean, I'm hoping this, but they're like, hopefully they're not picking too early. There's still you know, 15 games left, and the playoffs, and you got rest guys now. I mean, they're very impressive. They're probably the best in the AL. But let's, you know, we've seen this before in baseball when you get hot at the wrong time, and they might be getting hot at the wrong time. I totally Dodgers, believe Dodgers that. Dodgers was, what, 18 or 21 now? And three weeks ago, they're the best team ever. So it's they had to cover best team ever. So it's not a, it's not popping in champagne bottles yet. I totally, totally believe in that. In ba- baseball is specifically the sport that you can peak at the wrong time in. I think second is football. You can peak at the wrong time, but at that same token, you can peak at the right time. So that is one of those things where we were talking about NBA and parity and the NFL and parity. We were talking about that before. MLB has the truest parity in all of sports because small market teams have proven to be able to make it if they do a good job growing. And on top of that, these these streaks, the hotness really matters. Like the Indians can be on fire right now, and by the time they get to mid-October, they can fall flat on their face. And the one thing that jumps out to me, Sports Blog New York podcast, let's think about the last New York team in the World Series. Remember how Daniel Murphy was crazy hot in that playoffs. You just yep. watched him get up to his next at bat, and there was, you reached that point where you said, "Oh man, he he can't do it again. He can't get another home run." And then he proved you wrong twice, and then he was done. And then he had nothing left. So hopefully the Indians don't blow their load. I think the Dodgers, if they get back on track before the end of September, will be fine. But they are struggling with that. We were so hot for so long. There's no way we can keep it up. I agree. So is there anything else? Baseball, what do you got? Can you believe Francisco Lindor has 30 home runs? I can because he's helping me win our fantasy league with the SBNY bloggers. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a crazy number for me. 
he he's he's a real player. He's fun to watch too. I mean, with Edwin Encarnacion running around with the parrot on his arm, the Indians are a fun team, and it'll be yep, cool yep. for them to make it back to another World Series. Yeah, it would be. All right, I'll end yeah. off baseball talk with this because I've been thinking about this for a while now. The Cubs really struggled for a while. They are starting to get back into a groove. They're looking like they should be in the playoffs. What are the odds at an Indians-Cubs rematch World Series? Um, pretty high. Um, I actually really like the Nationals. If um, everyone comes back healthy, they, they made me finally get over that hump. But it's very, you know, once, once the playoffs, once you're in the playoffs, it's kind of a, you throw the records out the window, right? Who's hot? Who's going to pitch well? And the Cubs going to pitch like the, they didn't like the closest they did last year. They obviously, you know, they're gonna be fearful. They want to defend. They're gonna be more hungry to win now. So the Cubs are definitely, you know, a sleeper pick. But you cannot count them out at all. Indians are probably the favorite going into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think it's very, it's pretty likely. You know what? what I would love, shot? I would love to look up uh, if there's some sort of, you know, line graph or like a plot plot graph showing the ups and downs of the. Chicago Cubs odds to win the World Series because they started yeah. off as the absolute favorite to win the World Series this year, back to back, which is crazy. And then they struggled and were under 500 a lot. I'm sure that number dipped a whole lot. I would love to see a little line graph of of that, you know, just up and down and up and down, favorite, not favorite, and where where it comes back to by the time the playoffs start. It'd be really interesting. Definitely. Um, I I would think it would be yeah, up and down. Now, would you take straight up in a, in a series, Nationals or Cubs? Uh, well, the, the Nationals are still a little banged up, correct? Correct. I, w- I would be fine with picking the Cubs, and that would be unscientific. It would just be a pick based off the Nationals haven't done it yet. I'm yeah. not going to give it to them. But also, the Nationals are really good, man. They're so good. Yeah, they're fun to watch. I like I the mean, Cubs, though. I, I, would, I would love to see Harper in a World Series, though. That would be pretty cool. I mean, I wonder what Harper's going to do when he becomes close to a free agent. That's really interesting. So yeah. if they make it to a World Series, though, does that change it? If they win a World Series, how much does that change it? So that's the, that's the wrinkle for me. If the Nationals make it, what happens to Bryce Harper? Yeah, if, if, he, uh, if they win it, hey, mission accomplished here. It's time to move on. It's going to go either way. That's interesting. That really is. We'll keep an eye on that. So we have... Some storylines in the MLB with the Dodgers, Cubs, and Nationals in the National League. You know, we obviously there'll be more than just them in the playoffs. Then we have the Yankees to keep an eye on, and now the Indians and the Astros are another team that's really interesting as well. You know, MLB playoffs will will heat up when they get here, unless there's a super super close race for the wild card or division, uh, which is still possible with the Yankees and the Red Sox. They have a chance. It's not out of, you know, it's not out of control yet. It's not out of control yet. It's been a tease, been a tease the whole about two months now since the All Star break. It was one and a half at one point. Now it's three and a half. Three, I don't know what it is now. But it's been all year. The Red Sox can't close this out. The Yankees can't, you know, get over the hump. It's been like that for the whole year. I don't expect the Yankees to make the winning division. If they do, that would be, be fucking awesome. But I, just don't, I can't see it. <laughs> you know what? I think if they do it, they do it at the very end. Like, they're not going to get there and then stay on top. They're going to teeter at this point of, like, two, one, three games back. And then, like... Last week, the last two weeks of the season, they're going to take a little slight edge and, and sneak in. That'll, that's how it's going to go down, if it happens. Hey, you're, you're, uh, you're about to guide the ears. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so for your sake. Not for all those other Yankee fans who want you already fired, those clowns. Anyway. Yeah. 
we'll, we'll go let them be. <laughs> that is fair. Anyway, let's speak about another situation. Um, and I'll qualify it from my end. I'll open the floor to you when I'm done. So ESPN has been going through, well, let's just say they've been going through some some issues over the past couple months, specifically. Some, some, choppy, some choppy waters. Some choppy waters. You know, they're firing people that we know and love. They're firing familiar faces. They're firing uh, faces behind the behind the scenes that we don't may not even know. And uh, it's choppy waters, like you said. And now, specifically lately, with this political, social issue stuff that goes on, and and the Twitter monster that makes everything a little bit worse has really been kicking off. So, to qualify it, I want to say I'm going to do my best to be as rational as possible because my main point, whenever I talk to, about this ESPN issue about the firing or the political and sports and all that crap, my main thing is that it's a much deeper issue than it seems. And it's really hard to look at one person and one radio host or one journalist and say, well, that person did this, fire him. Or that person doesn't deserve that. He shouldn't have lost his job. A lot of these situations are layered. There's a lot of nuance to them. And a lot of times the business on the backside is trying to watch out for their person as well as their own ass. Because... From my estimation, that was part of ESPN's idea here to hedge their bet a little bit. Don't fire Jamel Hill for the things that she said on Twitter, uh, which if you don't know, just he, she basically called Donald Trump a white supremacist. Um, they're hedging their bets by not firing her because they think the backlash will be as bad, worse, yada, yada, yada. So that's my point, though. This is a layered issue, and it's really tough to have these conversations on Twitter. So, Phil, what, what are you feeling about this whole thing right now? Look, as American, you believe in free speech, right? No matter what, you, what, what comes out of your mouth, you're allowed to say it, correct? Yeah. So, ESPN has set this uh, standard on their end. If you say anything political, we're going to suspend you, we're going to warn you to stop, and eventually we might have to leave. So, Mike Dicker left NFL countdown because he thought it was too political. Uh, Linda Cohen got suspended because she said the... The network was getting too political. They put too, they kind of um, bad mouth the, the company, saying they put too much money in the Pac-10 and all these you know TV deals. Well, she's not wrong. They definitely did. She sees what's happening. Um, then of course, Kurt Schilling, he got in trouble for his comments about trans hundreds, which you know, would you agree or don't agree? Uh, he's allowed to say that. But now I'm not defending his family. They told him to calm down. We don't want you saying that. He kept on going, and they showed him the door. Now you got Jamil Hill saying comments about Trump openly on Twitter. She's a right to say that, but she kind of she's now she's on air the next day. Like nothing happened. Listen, ESPN. If you want to play this game of politics, don't make political comments. It has to go both ways. It can't be a double standard. Like I don't want Jamil Hill fired. She shouldn't be fired for for expressing her thoughts. But if you're gonna the last three, two three people, you're gonna kind of penalize and criticize and kick to the curb because they made. Um, a political statement that maybe not against your your agenda and your your mindset. That's that's wrong. You can't have a double standard on on politics, on freedom of speech. We see that in NFL. We see that in all different lights of media and you know life in general. It's a double standard. ESPN, it's wrong for what you did in the first place. You should not make this. People go to sports. They get away from politics. They get away from everything else in the world. They want to enjoy. Their team, they want to enjoy their fantasy team, they want to enjoy their bets, they want to kick back, 
go to a game, watch a game, just don't worry about anything. Now you turn on ESPN, they turn on CNN or Fox or NBC or CBS or whatever you like, you'd like to watch. We're just, I think as a whole, as American, we're America, we're sick of it. We want to get back to, you know, just put on ESPN, put on Fox Sports, and get the highlights. And we're not getting that anymore. And right now, Pandora's, Pandora's box is open. We might not get, ever get that again. It's just, it's, it's sad. It's just, as a sports fan, as a, a guy, as a, a girl, as a, any, every, everyone's equal. We all watch sports to get away from things, to, to have common talk with people. Now you talk, uh, have a sports conversation. The, the second thing you might talk about is Colin Kaepernick or now Jamil Hill. I'm, I'm over it. I want to get back to the sports. Unfortunately, Pete, I don't think it's going to happen. Phil, I really, really hear you. And I'm going to say this. I think there are a ton of people out there who totally agree with you. And you have to accept that that's a real thing. Not everybody wants to be involved with this. And I am very much in a similar boat on like in, in the Twitter world. For me specifically, I really try to stay out of stuff like that on Twitter because it could be a really, really scary place at times. Uh, when you know, if you make your stance, there's there could be people from either side just jumping down your throat at any point. It's not something that I want to involve involve myself with, so I don't. I'd rather have a nuanced conversation like you and I are able to have on this fine podcast, where we can talk, tell us, tell we can say our thoughts about the whole thing, not 140 characters worth, where things get misread, so on and so forth. What I will add though is that I I. I I think I have a decent grasp on the business and rating side of television. So I work for a network. Uh, I don't need to say which one, but I, I, I deal with ratings, and ratings are important. And for ESPN, the fact that they're allowing and pushing these certain topics like the Kaepernick issue, like protest issues, and the politics and social things that people say they don't want in sports, the reason they get push, pushed to be on air is because they bring in a number. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. So I always try to remind people when these things are going on is that there is a number or a method behind the madness. Engagement rate is what's important. It's what gets people you know, higher prices when they sell for ads. It's how it goes. And accepting that is step one to have a rational conversation about this entire thing. So I always try to keep that in the back of my head. Now, with that being said, I saw a Twitter uh, beef. If you want to call it a beef, you can. I'll, I'll call it a riff. I'll call it a little conversation, if you will. But Clay Travis, who, if you don't know, is a Fox Sports guy, has his own um, media company called Outkick, Outkick the Coverage or something like that, whatever. He's a pretty big name. He is known as kind of a hot take artist. But you know what? For all uh, intended purposes, he backs it up or he tries to back it up. You can think he's crazy. You can think he's a jerk. You can think he's a hot take artist. You can like him. That's besides the point for me. What he said was something about his company and how he made money from it and he's getting famous from it. And Big Cat replied with a funny gif and it started a little back and forth. So it got back to ESPN and Barstool and the culture and what Barstool might be, might become if ESPN were to like buy Barstool, which according to Clay Travis is a possibility. And it got back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, as I'm looking at this thread, I get to a tweet by Barstool Big Cat. And he wrote in quotations, he said, stick to port, sport, ugh. in quotations, stick to sports, 
don't talk about politics. End quotation. New quotation. Why haven't you called this person out for their politics? End quotations. And he said, which one is it? So I saw that and I said, you know what? That is a really good point. It's really simply put. But think about your own personal life here. Think about people you know. Think about your Twitter feed. Think about your Facebook feed. I have a good feeling that you run into people who say stick to sports, stick to sports, stick to sports. But you also know people who throw their two cents in about a race issue or who throw their two cents in about the president or who throw their two cents in about Fox News or Fox Sports or ESPN, whatever it is. So you know people on both sides. So Big Pat put that together and I I quoted the tweet and I said, this right here is so simply put and absolutely true. No one can win. And that's my main takeaway there. No one is going to win this right now. It's so combative and it's it's so dis- uh, divisive to a point where it becomes screaming matches and no one hears either point. So this is where I turn to a guy like Big Cat. And I mentioned this theory to you before, Phil. I brought it back to comedians. So think about your fav- some of your favorite comedians. Think about some of the most famous comedians we have out there. Phil, throw a couple names out there, but I think of Louis C.K., I think of Jim Jeffries. You said Bill Burr. Exactly. These are the types of guys, and you can even look at you know Colbert or Jon Stewart if you want to throw those guys in there. These are guys who made a living off of f- being funny but also being smart and also saying something, right? So when we come yeah, to well, these – What's up? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I think Colbert is way now to the left and yes. they're going back with him. That's fair. Even John Stewart too. I mean, obviously, you're right. You're 100% right. They have made their, their career of, you know, making um, commentary, satire on the political world. But now, you know, Colbert, first of all, he's killing, I never, I, I never like Fallon. I always like Colbert better than Fallon because of he, he was smart, intelligent, funny. Like, I can laugh at him not because he's goofy because he made a funny joke, a smart joke. But now it's like, uh, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what's going on on the show anymore because it's not, it's not a late-night television show. It's a late-night roast and, you know, stab at the, the president and political system. It's like, whoa, dude. Like, the whole point of late-night television was to, like sports, get away from it all and have a good, have funny, make funny, get, make funny, um, um, funny sketches and just have something on, have a nice conversation with them. But now it's like every single nigga is a stab by Trump. It's like, hey, if you don't like the guy, you agree with him, you disagree with him, let's not put 24-7 metal, uh, pedal to the metal on Trump. It's like, it draws people away. Half the country agrees with him. Half the country voted for him. And, you know, it's just it's stupid. It doesn't make... Like Michael Jordan said, um, Republicans buy sneakers too. <laughs> you just don't... Don't... I don't want to say bring the country together. You're bringing stuff to political side and sports. It only divides people. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. But wait, Phil. We're talking about it. It just divides people. This is... this is. bring unit together. So it's all root for the same team. It's all root for the same sport. It's not, it's not talk about these these issues. That, and the grand human thing, they don't really matter. It, it's everyone trying to make trying to make a personal gain of just political system. It's 24-7, 24/7 circus. And now everyone's trying to... You know, Hash your wagon to it. It's stick to sports. It's have fun. Stick to comedy. Have your digs. That's fine. It's it's obviously the real life we live in. But let's, let's be who we are. Comedians, athletes, commentators. 
Let's stick to our, our lane. If you want to get the politics, go ahead. It's a free country. Go run for, go work for Fox or work for CNN. But wait, go Phil, start Phil. a political blog. I'm ranting, but... No, it's yeah. okay. I want to ask you a question, though. I want to ask you a question. So put yourself in... I'm going to name two guys. I'm going to okay. say I'm going to say Big Cat from Barstool, and I'm going to say Dan Lebitard, right? Put yourself, uh-huh. put yourself in their shoes. They both do shows that are mostly, you know, semi-satire, joking, fun, light, light, not really heavy issues. They like to interview sure. people and whatever. Tampa is fully satire, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're fully satire. I mean, sometimes they make real, they do real stuff and like make real takes. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. That that's 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 good enough. Put that in your shoes, right? And what do you do after you do a show? You look at your Twitter feed, you look at your text, and you look at this, and you got you know forty percent of the people saying, "Oh, stick to sports." What are you guys talking about? You got the other forty percent saying, "Yo, what, yeah. do, what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of that?" And then you got twenty percent of the people who are actually just like, "All right." That was cool. I like that. I had fun. So you look at that and you have both people. So this is my this is my point. This is my theory here. In the other world, the not sports world, I found people of our generation, you know, age 20 to 30, 35, these people we've ended up turning to comedians for real social issues because as much as Louis CK can make me laugh, you can know that that man is smart and he puts together a story to when he says something that's not a joke. You listen, right? So I yeah, think like about I said before when you told me this. They don't talk down to you, right? Like you talk, um, you turn on uh, any any TV, any um, news show. You think they're talking down to you? You should talk. You should act like this. You, you, they're telling you what what you just what you just saw on TV. How you should feel about that, and that's not right. That is why people are turned against. That's the whole the whole fake news came from. Now, if people think hey, what you see on TV, and they're trying to that, um, you know, brainwash you, but they're trying to make you think of an agenda you you don't think on your own. That's where this whole fake news came from. And that's so, why I like, think like I, Louis C.K., Big Cat, even Clay Travis, um, they're trying to talk to you. They're not trying to. They are talking to you like like me and you are right now. We're speaking common common sense, logical. Like we're at a bar, like we're in a basement, like we're just kicking it. We're just talking man to man, person to person. Then they are not talking down to you like what you see in the media. Exactly, and you know what? As much as I can sit here and say those types of guys, the the levitards, you you know, the the comedians of the world, the comedians of the sports world, who can say something serious and people take it serious, they can have an impact on this. And I truly believe that to be true. But at the same time, I think about it, and then I just think about Twitter coming back at it, and Twitter coming in and just saying. Oh, screw this, screw that, F this, F that, and then we're back to square one. And it really is going to be a never-ending cycle, it seems, at this point. Yeah, final point with uh, Levitard, he really caught my eye when uh, Obama kind of opened the gates to Cuba and kind of went to a baseball game with the, the president of Cuba and for one of the Castro's, I don't know who, who it was, but Levitard was like, oh, let's, let's pump the brakes here. People run away from Cuba, and Cuba's a terrible place to live. Let's not celebrate on the ESPN. Let's not put the president in the first row to a baseball game. I kind of like that's the reasoning and kind of the platform he should be using, and he did. I wish we saw more of that. It's like, hey, let's pump the brakes and try to think of what this what this opens up to the world and just the the kind of words it opens up. Like now with um, with uh, Jamil Hill to bring it back full circle, that ESPN is only to stand on. Now, if you say something political against what she said, they they kind of have to let you go. If they don't, they clearly show the double standard. 
Right. That's it. And that's 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 the main battle is trying to find the middle ground here. And that's where I always fall back on is the middle ground. You said it in the open on this subject that you don't believe Jamil Hill should be fired. I agree. I don't believe she'd be, she should be fired. But if similar situations happen to somebody else and they were suspended, maybe a suspension should be in order. And more often than not, there's a happy medium that's there that people don't want to accept because they don't want to give in. They don't want to give in. But a lot of times it's the right way to go. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough we thing go, to talk we about. We could worry about this forever. It's a tough thing to talk about. It truly is. But next, uh, next week there'll be something new. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, man? These things come and they go really quick. It's pretty crazy. You got any last words for that? Um, uh, I think I said I said I ran out enough. I just I hope this. I hope it's not gonna happen. But to kind of to go back backwards and kind of separate the two, but. Now it's only getting worse. Yeah, I mean, I hear that. You know what would be funny, Phil? When we look at these stats for the podcast and if we get any feedback at SportBlogMIC or at P. Kennedy with two Ys or, you know, on our rating and reviewing on iTunes, it'll be really interesting to see if we get more feedback on this type of segment, which we've never done before. So if you yeah. are listening to the SBNY podcast and you're, you're here right now at 57 minutes or 58, whatever it is, tell us. Let us know. Do you, is this a conversation – that you want to hear on a podcast like this because it might not be. And is, is it a conversation I want to have all the time? Absolutely not. But we kind of felt it necessary and we wanted to kind of give our two cents. It's not something that we're super interested in talking about all the time because we want to talk about sports. As you can tell, we come here and bring sports every single week. We try to be fun. We try to be insightful. We try to create conversation. And that's what's most important. So hopefully you didn't hate that segment. Maybe you learned a little bit. Uh, but if you didn't like it, let us know as well. I mean, really, we need to hear from you. Uh, that's the only way we can do this thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm down to do this for a full hour and get some serious uh, feedback. If that's really, <laughs> what people say about this. If people really want to hear it, man, we're going to give the people what they want. But hopefully we already gave the people what they wanted here. Uh, stay tuned tomorrow for our week two picks. I'm really liking um, some of our picks this week. I really love Uncle Mike's teaser. Uncle Mike had hit on a teaser last week, a big four-team teaser. He came out with another one that we're releasing on tomorrow's episode. So you got to stay tuned for that. You're going to want to hear it because what do you want to do during the NFL season? You want to win that money. So stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. Phil, any last words? How's your fantasy team doing? I'm 2-0, and oh, baby. Okay. Actually, I am 1-2. By um, one win, I dominated. My um, one loss, I had Mike Evans and Winston out. And my other loss, the kid went off of me. So, we'd love to see another week. Absolutely. I'm going to end with this, actually, for me. I had such a good week one, and I hate to brag, but it's an hour into this podcast. I feel at liberty to brag. I hit a parlay, a three-team parlay, the Panthers, um, the Rams, and the Lions. I was really happy about that. I also hit my, my backup teaser, and I won two fantasy games, and I hit on my suicide pool. So, I had a really nice week one. Can't lie. All right. I'm almost afraid to bet. If you are uh, working in New York City and need some lunch money, uh, Pete Kennedy, hit him up. Uh, <laughs> let him you some money. He's in the green right now. Take advantage of it. I, no, I'm honestly, I'm afraid to bet in week two because I won week one. Well, did you see that crazy, um, I sent it to you, the chart. If you bet the Indians from the, their first game and like let it ride, which is crazy, people bet like a dozen of, you have like, over seven hundred thousand dollars right now. If you bet, if you let it ride every game, I believe it was over eight hundred. That was nuts. I can't believe it. Yeah. But who would ever do that? You know what I mean? Nah. All right. Well, this has been fun, Phil. 
as always, it was a pleasure. Yeah, uh, great conversation. I, I agree. Hopefully they, the SBNY listeners, they agreed as well. Uh, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, app, Google Play. My name is Peter Kennedy. Right, for the How long are we at right now? We're at an hour. We, we said before it would be a half hour. <laughs> That's true. We said this would be a half hour. But you know what? When when push comes to shove, man, we gotta we gotta fit our two cents in there, and that's what we did today. All right, Pete. Thank you for having me. Um, I want to uh, check out tomorrow for week two picks. Um, thank you, Pete. Everybody have a great week. Cheers.